Hey, this is Jason. Hey, this is Kaz, and you are listening to Two Book Watch Snobs. You have made it all the way to episode 235. I am here with Jason from Just Watches, our very, very, probably probably really the only watch friend I think we have in the watch content-making community. I feel, Jason, that we at Two Book Watch Snobs have burned every bridge. Plus, plus, you're officially, in my opinion, a member of Two Book Watch Snobs, so what up? Hello. How's it going, Kaz? Yeah, I would credit... <laughs> I would credit TBWS to the creation of the channel. I don't know about because that. I don't know about no, that. No, hundred percent. Because I was like, when I first got into watches, I got super addicted to the podcast. And then when you did your first call out for like community reviews, I sent you a really long email. We talked about this last time. And then I don't know. It's just kind of like opened up that universe for me. And then I was like, you know what? I'm just going to start my own little thing. So that was guys... the Accutron too, right? Yeah, that's correct. It was that thing was series. awesome. Yep. I don't think they make that watch anymore, but. That thing is so cool. Great photos on that thing, too. Even back then, like when you were still, I guess, learning? I don't know. Yeah, just learning. Just trying stuff out and failing mostly, but it worked out. <laughs> That's what it is, man. It's failing and then just not stopping. Yes, you just got to keep going <laughs> and slowly but surely things get slightly better. And yeah. what, I've, what I've learned for basically every successful person, it's not a matter of like how well they use their intelligence or like how, you know, how how lucky they got. It's basically every successful person and y'all can say that I'm wrong. I, I really don't care. This is a private conversation between Jason and myself. But every successful person that I think I could possibly think of was just too fucking dumb to quit. You have to be too stupid to put your own self-preservation in front of a goal. So, oh, it's really tough. It's late at night. I should stop. No, you should be too dumb to stop and sleep. You should <laughs> probably keep going. No, that makes a lot of sense. It's yeah. like you just got to keep your head down. And I, there's a channel. He got really popular. I think it's called Running on Empty Food Reviews. <laughs> and he went viral and they interviewed him. And it was great. He broke it down like perfectly. And he said basically like you're – you want going viral is getting like struck by lightning, uh -huh. but the only way you're going to get struck is if you stand out in a field every day. So you oh, just have to cool. go stand out in that field. And I stood out in that field every day for every like three day. years and nothing happened. And then one day I got struck by lightning. So yeah, it's like that. I love so, it. Yeah. You got to be at least put yourself out there. Otherwise it's not going to happen. That's far more poetic of than of a, of a metaphor than mine where you just got to be too dumb to quit. I like that. I'm going to, I'm going to, what's that channel? It's called Running on Empty Food Reviews. It's really weird. It's That's actually. I love that. It's really popular now, but he was just he's a very eccentric personality. He wears like all these suits from the 90s. I don't know. You can <laughs> like like zoot suits? <laughs> yeah, just like he wears this like you remember in the 90s when suits were like super baggy? That was the style. Yeah, yeah, yeah dude. So oh, just yeah. like collects those and he wears one in every review. It's it's really strange. Is he a watch person? I don't think so. Damn it. <laughs> Right? Gotta get him on the show. Well, here, let's do this. Episode 235, Two Book Watch Knobs. I'm hanging out with Jason from Just Watches. This is going to be a lot of fun. Um, uh, uh, Honestly, like, this is going to be very much like a hanging out and chatting conversation sort of show. But at the same time, I would love to do hot takes with you from some of the recent reviews you have, um, your recent video reviews you have on YouTube. Everyone go to YouTube. It's Just Watches. Um, honestly, if you've ever like scanned through and just tried to find a review on a particular watch, that's like like a realistic acquisition watch. Like Jason's not here like doing video reviews of like Charming Birds and shit like that. But like if you've done a realistic just search on YouTube, you've probably seen or scanned past one of 
that just watches videos. So I would totally encourage you if you don't subscribe, do it because you're you're putting stuff out on a pretty regular cadence, man. That's crazy. Yeah, every Friday. I'll, I'll Kaz, I'll give you a hot take right off the top. What up? So one of the things I refuse to do <laughs> on the YouTube, you know how you have to put like the little thumbnail picture? Yeah. And the current like meta in YouTube is you take a stupid picture of your face, like yeah. reacting. Oh, yeah. I will never do that. I cannot stand those. They drive nice. me so crazy. And I know like people do it because it will like increase your engagement because for for whatever reason, like people click on like human faces, I think. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but yeah, no, I just always do a picture of the watch. It drives me so crazy that everyone does that weird like. Well, I hate it because it's just like 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 five mistakes all Rolex owners make, and it's someone like holding their nose. I'm like, that's fucking <laughs> stupid. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, that, I hope that person just slips in the bathroom one day. I'm like, it's just really fucking annoying. But like, no, I mean, it it also aligns with what uh, Michael and I are always trying to do at TBWS, where. Whatever objects we're reviewing, that's what tells the story. Like the watch itself should be enough for you to make a decision about a review you want to read or something, some kind of judgment you want to make because you're you're inevitably leading someone down a thought process even just by showing them an emotion in a human face in a thumbnail. You're telling someone how to feel about a watch before they even watch your review. I you know what I'm saying? That way. Yeah, no, you're 100% right. Because people people want to know the answer as fast as possible. It's um, it's like, it's um, I use this phrase sort of at work. It's like um, it's like porn search attention span. Okay. As fast as possible, you want to find exactly what you're searching for. You know what I mean? Like this is like a dire I'm searching with one hand situation <laughs> as fast as possible. Because otherwise, people get frustrated. They don't want to sit and watch the whole video. They want to scan through. They immediately want to be told how to feel. That's what those dumb little thumbnails do. I love that you don't do that. You have proper fucking videos, you know? <laughs> yeah, I just, yeah, I don't know. And a part of it is I don't really want to put, I don't want to really put my face into it. And like, I don't know. If you do that, that's fine. I think actually that makes your channel more effective too. Because I think a lot of times people get addicted to the personality. Um, oh, Yeah. But I just try to strip like almost all of my personality out. So I just want to do like six to seven minutes, like super information dense. That's perfect. Yeah. And then that's it. And if it's whatever, I don't really care if it gets successful or not. It's just for fun. It's for me. It's just fun to do. Hope it gets successful. Hope that. That's awesome. All right. That'd be kind of cool. All right. Yeah, I mean, whatever comes, comes. I just, I do it for fun. And I, the other thing is I only put one video out a week. And if you do more, I think you grow faster. But I don't want it to feel like a job. So will, right now, it feels fun. I will if take I, a jab. Yeah. I'll take a jab at myself. You're much more consistent with your posting than we are with this podcast. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> We're, Michael and I are a little crazy town right now in terms of our posting schedule. So. So, yeah, well, uh, it's just like life happens, too. You guys have been doing it for so long. I think when the podcast first came out, it was like clockwork. Dude, I saw I saw a review, and I swear, people at home, if you're even still listening, we're gonna do we're gonna do a wrist check. I'm gonna make history with Jason. I saw the fucking. I felt so old from someone's comment on um one of the recent shows. They were what did they say? They said, uh, "Here, I'll pull it up in like one second. I mean, you gotta hear this because this. This, to your point, put it into perspective for me. I guess how long we've been doing this freaking freaking show, man. Uh, let me see here. 
this person said, let me click into it here. Ha, huh. ha, huh. I'm so glad y'all are still at it. I remember listening when I was like 14 or 15 years old. I'm 21 now. Oh no. <laughs> that, that shit, that shit took the wind out of me. I'm like, I'm like, cause I did the math and I'm like, oh fuck that tracks. Damn it. Fucking <laughs> old. Yep, it happens fast too. That's incredible. I want to, yeah, I'm trying to think. So, wait, when did the podcast start? Like, what year? September you... 2016. Okay. Episode. That tracks, man. Wow. God. God. He started listening when he was 14 or 15, which, by the way, don't listen to this fucking show if you're 14 or 15. We're far too foul mouthed. Um, <laughs> I mean, or I mean, we're much better these days. Back then it was. Oh, back then it was bad. But I mean, but yeah, no, he's 14 or 15, 2016. It's 2022 right now at the time of this recording. Yeah, that guy's probably 21 years old right now. That's insane. <laughs> uh, I hope you had your first legal drink on us. Uh, <laughs> PT, who's the person that left this comment. Very cool. Um, Jason, would you like to make history with me? Would you like to do an audio risk check? I'm talking way too much. Yeah, let's do it. You're, you're, you're my honored special guest. Would you like to... Do you want to do your wrist check first? You, you should do your wrist check first. Okay, sure. So we talked about it a lot last time. I did it. I am wearing the Grand Seiko SBGN003. The, it's the 9F Quartz GMT. We're 9F Quartz bros. Bro. We are. It's very exciting. <laughs> we talked a lot about the idea, the concept, and particular, like personal sort of journeys towards the grail talk me through the story about this watch did you just wake up in the morning and say you know what fuck it i'm getting it or was there like a did you say like a like a like a like a sonnet in front of a window during a thunderstorm were you going back and forth to talk about it with your significant other like what was the process so let's see i had a lot of trouble i think what initially attracted me to the podcast was that the watch hold the whole watch like hobby and whatever it's like it has this incredible range where like you can get an amazing seiko 5 right like the first watch you got and you probably paid like 70 60 or something like 70 or 75 bucks yeah but yeah so like and I, i i've always been like more comfortable on that end but even like when i first started listening to the uh, podcast i just like knew i want a green seiko someday yeah man but it's so hard to get myself there, like, mentally. Like, I have the money. Technically, I could afford it. But it's just so so much money for me to, like, spend on one thing. Kind of, like, uh, it was just really hard to do. But anyways, like, we got some – me and my wife have been uh, uh, just going through life stuff. And we got kind of a fortunate turn of events. And I thought, you know what? Uh, this is, like, the universe giving me permission to, like, nice. execute on this. So, yeah. So I thought it's something I've really wanted. And I feel like if I get it now, it'll kind of – I know it's cheesy, but you guys talk about like the house watch and stuff like that. But like, I kind of felt like I tied it to that place where I thought I felt like our luck turned and yeah. then I'll just, it'll be like an important, I don't, you know, I don't plan on getting rid of it. Um, so it'll be kind of remind me of that, like r that change in life, I guess. So the milestone watch is very real. I mean, I think Michael and I, or maybe more so me, cause I feel like I talk more about this than Michael does. Um, I tend to have a pretty jaded view on it because a lot of folks not approach it wrong, but whatever. Fuck them. This is our show. Jason, this is our show. We can say whatever the fuck we want about people. People <laughs> sometimes approach the milestone watch uh, wrong. But in your case, this 
this lined up with something that you've had on your radar. I, I, just like you, when I first started getting into watches, as soon as I kind of knew what Grand Seiko was and had an idea of them and really got a sense of their ethos, like I'm like, damn, I really want, I really want something from the Grand Seiko collection, you know. And so you were able to tie a really happy, fortunate milestone now with this kind of place you had seen yourself eventually uh, working towards in your collection, even way back then. So that's cool, man. Yeah, no, that's a, that's exactly what happened. And it, the, so the funniest thing, too, is like when I got it, I got it used, of course. Like I'm a mm -hmm. big advocate of buying used watches because you save so much money. It's a little oh, bit, yeah. you got to be careful, but like there's a lot of, and a lot of people don't like braving like Reddit and Watch Seek, but if you can find someone that has feedback, you just want someone that has like a really solid track record. Yeah, you can you can get amazing. Like <laughs> the thing I notice about like this individual that I purchased it from, like the way that was packaged, it's the way like I would have packaged it. He double <laughs> he like double boxed it, nice. so there was like an external box because a lot of times you know they just thrash boxes <laughs> in the mail. So he like double boxed it. Yeah. And, in between the interior box, which held the watch, which is extremely little packed, and the exterior box was like all this padding and, you know, those like air pockets and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. I, just, I just remember like, wow, like this is better. This is better package than if the AD shipped it to me, like for sure. That's so, badass. I well, when you get into a certain segment of just buying watches secondhand, especially on the Reddit community, folks treat you the way they want to be treated. Exactly. So if you can find someone that has like really solid history, yeah, th and they're taking the time to like take really good pictures, like you're gonna you're, you're kind of finding like people that are kind of like approaching it the same way you're approaching it. And I do the same thing. Like if I saw a watch on Reddit, it's gonna be like it's better packed than like any like uh, regular distributor is gonna pack it. And send it is, is, there, is that where you got? Is that where you got your Grand Seiko from? Did you get from Reddit? I got it from actually from Watch you Seek, but yeah. Nice. Nice. Um, cool. But yeah, so it's the yeah. So the funny thing is that like the second I got it, I had I always get buyer's remorse about everything. <laughs> I felt zero buyer's remorse. Oh, that's good. I'm glad. I was like, oh, this is exactly what I was expecting, exactly what I wanted. So I was so excited. And then I also had this like revelation. I feel like doesn't Mike Holmes have a quartz supremacist? Who Mike Holmes? Uh, Mike, your co-host. Oh, well, I'm sorry. I said Mike Holmes, like from <laughs> oh. from DIY Network. I'm like, I actually, I love his programming. I don't know what fucking watch he has. No, I think one of Mike's tags in the Slack is uh, it's like court supremacist or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I was like, gonna say, if Mike Holmes is a watch guy, I'm gonna get his fucking ass on the show right now, dude. Oh, that'd be awesome. That'd be so cool. Yeah, no, he's got like it's one of his. He might have changed. He Mike. Mike changes his Slack stuff a lot, but yeah, I think Court Supremacist or something like that at point at one point was, um, was well uh, like one of the tags or handles in there. It was pretty funny. Yeah, and that was the other like I had this re realization like I thought maybe the courts would turn me off to it, mm. um, but then I realized like the second there's something special about the nine F courts too, like just the way the hand double ticks and I don't know. I was like, oh, actually, mechanical watches are stupid. Like this is the way. <laughs> Why the fuck would I wear a mechanical watch? The, the fantastic thing about the the, the whole Nine of Quartz um, platform, whichever Nine of Quartz movement you're talking about, A2, A5, or whatever the fuck, it doesn't matter, is that it represents... Um, I'm a huge believer in kind of vibe and ethos in regards to you can feel how well something is crafted by how much time someone put into it. 
in terms of engineering it, even in terms of actually fabricating and creating it. And it actually, in my opinion, you do get that sense of the nine of courts. It is almost over-engineered to the point where you're just like, wow, this is this is something I have not experienced before. It's not like so I'm in the middle of reviewing the stupid I said she's stupid, whatever. This Vincero Cairo watch, also a quartz watch, because what a lot of people say is, oh, quartz watches is all the same. It's the same movement in a $150 watch or a $3,000 watch. No, it's not. Maybe sometimes, but not in the case of this Grand Seiko 9 of quartz. You know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. It's 100% over-engineered. Like, and you they, feel it. You yes, know? you do. They literally put in... Uh, a hairspring mechanism to take the backlash out of the second hand. Like they don't want the second hand to vibrate. They don't want it to it. bounce. <laughs> like like what? That's this so cool. So silly, but at the same time, it's so cool. So that's so cool, man. Congrats. I'm looking. This might be an interesting topic. I don't see a video on your on your page. No, I haven't done it yet. So you're going to? Yeah, I'm gonna wait. Like my my okay. whole page is focused on like uh, entry, like more like affordable stuff. Well, right. it's all it's all relative, I guess. But like sub one thousand dollars. So I do want to do a video on this, but I kind of wanted to do like a longer, like six months kind of impression video because yeah. I did really want to. I'm glad I got it because I did want to experience like a quote unquote luxury watch. Right. Um, and then I kind of want to report back. And I, I think my message, I already kind of know my message, but it's like, yeah, it's nicer, but like, it's not any more fun. So mm -hmm. you should just enjoy the watch hobby, like wherever you're comfortable enjoying it. But I mean, okay. So the indices are like, yeah, they're finished to perfection, but like I can get any other watch kind of like you said, you still derive a lot of joy from your SNK. Like, oh yeah. It's, if you enjoy watches and you have fun with them, if you enjoy them for the right reason, like obviously if you want to get the newest watch and put it on instagram and get lots of likes then you're kind of doing a different thing but if like watches just make you happy for no reason other than like you're a weirdo like <laughs> it, you don't need to spend a lot of money for them to make you happy so yeah that's kind of going to be the point well there's this point where you and i think we've talked about this before and i think you mentioned this even in one of the pieces that you wrote just about like watch budgeting and things like that i don't know if you remember that piece um you did a lot of comparisons to like beer and stuff in there do you remember that yeah oh i'm yeah. glad you brought that up i was thinking about that when i you said let's record together oh good and it, i oh, yeah go ahead no, no go it's ahead. just it's just like at a certain point with any purchase you do have to kind of step back and say do i really need this you know what i mean well that's the other thing is like when i wrote the article and when i started the channel i think i was focused on like value it, yeah. it, and it's like pervasive across all a lot of the watch review channels like where they're like is this a good value and yeah. what i've realized being into the hobby this long is like when it comes to like collecting watches value is a stupid concept you should just throw it away <laughs> because like think about this this is the analogy i thought of like you know when value matters is like when your dishwasher breaks and you want to buy a new dishwasher you kind of want to know like how much do i need to spend to get a decent dishwasher without overspending but now imagine you <clears throat> took the approach you do with watches with dishwashers so imagine you went to someone's house and they had like nine dishwashers like they had 
they had ripped out all the cabinets in their whole kitchen and they had <laughs> nine dishwashers and they took you over to like this the seventh one in the row and they're like this is the best value dishwasher <laughs> this one like, has its centripetal force going counterclockwise in the water spray mechanism exactly That's, it's and the then same there, as the one next to it other for that <laughs> but i also bought just because you know i'm really into dishwashers i have this is the top of the call line this is the rolex of dishwashers and this is the one <laughs> You know, if you're somebody, you have this dishwasher, right? Like, no. What I enjoy so, most about this conversation is you sat through seven or eight different dishwasher conversations, and you're still with your buddy at this point. You're like, yeah, okay, uh-huh, and you're looking like, <laughs> only one more. There's only yeah. one more dishwasher he's going to talk to me about, and then I'm fucking out of here, dude. And then you're like, I can, then we'll never talk about dishwashers <laughs> again. But that's, like, what we're doing. Like, we don't need, you don't need more than one watch. Like, okay, maybe you can make an argument that you need, like, two, like a dressy one and a sporting one or whatever. So, like, value as a concept when you have more than two things that are totally superfluous kind of almost breaks down entirely for me and like you should literally just if you think a watch is cool and you like how it looks and you can afford it and you're comfortable spending the money on it then you should just buy it because you literally don't need it so i've almost like totally pivoted and abandoned that like because i was kind of like seeking like oh what's the best price point for a watch but i just don't think that's a useful like concept when you're for something you're just enjoying and it's you're not really getting practical value out of its timekeeping performance you've got to do an update to that piece okay <laughs> like like well because the point you made is actually really smart and it makes a ton of sense like a lot of times people approach value with watches because they want to feel like not yeah no i'll use that phrase they want to feel like they want they got the best most of something for paying the least amount and they want to try to feel they've to try to use it to feel good about their purchase but to your point value shouldn't matter with a watch because you're not this is not something that's supposed to have value kind of come into it. If you can afford something and if you like it, buy it. But that does kind of fall back to the whole impetus for folks even looking at value as an idea at all. What can I afford? You know what I mean? Right. Exactly. I mean, you still gotta, you should still buy something hey, hey, you can afford. Hey, and your and, rent, everyone. Yeah, all exactly. Right, buy food. And <laughs> there, is a, there is something to be said, like, if, if you, if, I reviewed a watch or someone reviewed a watch and they thought it was bad like mm -hmm. that's still a useful concept like something can still be good or bad but like this like maximizing value in a purchase just that doesn't really that doesn't really speak to me anymore so kaz do you want me to do an update to that article where like i just like we i could do a little screenshot of that article and then the title of my new article will be like this article was stupid and this article was stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Whoever wrote this was an idiot back then. I'm the new Jason now. I'm like, oh, Jesus, dude, all right, that's cool. We'll figure it out. You know, we. But like, I think, well, because it is something I do want to talk about on the site more. This sort of convergence between hunting for value, being a wealth enthusiast, how to actually budget, what does budgeting actually mean? Like, you know what I mean? Because it also does kind of play into the whole like um, the two concepts that are very toxic when you. Not even if you start collecting watches when you collect watches forever. What watch purchase will make me feel or will make me look good to other watch people? You know what I mean? Um, and the and the other idea of like, you know, what's like the the what did I discover that no one else did? Like, oh, I paid 150 bucks for this watch, but it's really worth three thousand dollars. Like, no, no, it's that doesn't exist. You know what I mean? Like 
I feel like I had struggled with those things when I started collecting. And I know lots of folks do. It's like, oh, I want to find like like a two or three thousand dollar quality watch, but I only want to spend one hundred and fifty bucks. It's like, like that just doesn't work. Yeah, you know, like if you're cruising around town looking for a two dollar steak, expecting it to be like like a fifty dollar like ribeye, you're gonna eat some gas station plank steak. <laughs> like I'm really sorry, it's not gonna taste like fifty dollar ribeye. You know. No, By the way, don't eat steak. Don't eat steak at the gas station. Everyone, I just, I just want to put that out there. Oh yeah, that's not a good idea. That's not a good idea. No bueno, man. But um, but yeah, no, we'll figure out how to do that thing. But so cool, man. I'm really happy you're digging the watch. Yeah. So now that we've, uh, this is probably a record. I, I, maybe I want to set the record for how long we don't even get into a topic. But I will, I will, I will pass it to you because we haven't even done your wrist. Check. I haven't even done my wrist check yet. <laughs> this is incredible. I told you we'd make history, man. No, I'm, I'm. You already know what I'm wearing. We're Grand Seiko Bros. We're, 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 we're Nine of Quartz Bros. At this point, I'm wearing my Grand Seiko, my, my, my Nine of Quartz SBGP two three three. It's titanium. It's a very, very beautiful. Um, what I'll call mature version of Kaz teal. For anyone else in the Slack on the on the TBW Patreon Slack knows what I'm talking about. I love everything about this watch, except the bracelet. But it's not that the bracelet's bad. It's just it it's just not what I expected out of a Grand Seiko bracelet. Oh, dude, let's talk bracelets. How do you like your bracelet? I okay. So I think <laughs> you're totally right. Like Grand Seiko really needs to step up their game on their bracelets. Like mm. the. As far as like, I, I try to explain this to people, but it does not come through in pictures. But the way they finish the hands and indices, like when you're in natural sunlight, the only way I can describe it, I, I call it the Grand Seiko glow. But the indices and the hands look like they have a halo effect around them because the, the light will catch them. I don't know if you noticed this, but this kind of like go take it into natural sunlight and kind of like um, look at it from different angles. And what I've, mine don't have hard edges. So there's oh, no okay. like there's no like harsh moments when the light's hitting it. it, but it has that sort of almost like not floating, but I, I guess kind of halo effect. Like I do know what you're talking about. Yeah. So I think like Grand Seiko gets a lot of like I think some of that is true. Like that lives up to the hype. I think mm. they're they're finishing on their hands and in indices. I've never seen anything like it. I haven't seen all the watches in the world, but I've seen a lot, and it's it's incredible. And mm. then, so then, so that's a plus. Then what I'm neutral about, and there's some people in the Slack that will agree with this, Zeratsu polishing doesn't it necessarily impress me. Like, <laughs> it's just, it's nice. It looks really amazing. Like, it's a mere finish, but I don't necessarily think it's better. Like, No one would notice unless you said something. Yeah. So I'm neutral you know? on that. And then yeah. I the place that I think they do fall short is that the bracelet is... It's just serviceable. Like I'm not gonna say it's bad, but they there's nothing like interesting about it. It's I don't even think it's like my most the most comfortable bracelet I own. And mm. then I know you didn't have screws, but I don't know if you saw the picture I had in the Slack. But this the bracelet on this one uses screws, and oh, there's so some jealous. of the smallest. No, don't be jealous. Don't I'll, be find, jealous. I'll find the picture for you. <laughs> there's some of the smallest screws I've ever seen. Like really? and I and I've taken uh. walk. They're like. They're the size, like, because I've taken watches apart and put them back together. We're talking yeah. about, that's how small they are. They're like Jesus. the kind of watches, they're kind of, they're like the size of screws you'd use, like, in the movement. Oh and, my God. Um, yeah, it was wow. super nerve-wracking sizing it. But, and then the, you, the other thing you got to learn is they use the half links. Um, so, uh, yes. I, and they never make this clear, like, but I, I found this online, but two half links do not equal a full link. 
so if you so you can play with that like by taking out a link and adding a half link it's different and then by taking out a link and adding two half links that's different because I, so, I have i have half links in mind and i just figured i had two half links was one whole link but it oh. is not oh. yeah so i made a little spreadsheet even so you could calculate i'll send it to you yeah i'll check that out that's cool <laughs> So anyways, yeah, bracelet is not that impressive, I would say. It's probably the weakest point. It's still a great watch. <laughs> I mean, both, both of ours. It, but it's just, it's just, that was the only thing that, yeah, I think the lack of um, screw links, uh, the fact that it was just, you know, a nice bracelet, as opposed to kind of how much effort and emphasis got put on so many other parts of the watch. And um, <laughs> and this is something that, 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 you know, Seiko, Grand Seiko couldn't help. My watch is literally, it's, it's titanium. It's unscratchable, except when it touches itself. So <laughs> my clasp and my case back have scratches because of how it touches itself. That's really funny. It's like, you know? it's antimantium, but it can scratch itself. Yeah. Basically, yeah. No, I mean, like, <laughs> I've, 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 to like my horror, I've accidentally hit this thing against doors or like scraped it against my car weird. And I'm just like, oh, that's the one. That's the one that finally scratched my Grand Seiko. And I'm like, oh, no, it's fine. That's perfect. But the back of this thing, yeah, dude. The, it, it's just, it was, it was something I wasn't expecting. I took some really good photos of the damage in my review on the two book wash knob site. So, Folks can go and check that out if they want to see it. Damage I think that's a. Uh, I think that's an inevitability though, because the I had that Zelos on. Mm. Uh, I actually bought that one, and uh, uh, um, it has like a super hard coating. I don't remember like what the rating is, but I noticed it was like not scratching. Like you know how usually after you had a watch for like a month the clasp is just kind of like shredded a little bit. Yeah, from your the, keyboard or whatever that. Yeah, you know what exactly. I mean? yeah. The clasp was like perfect but then i noticed the exact same thing is like the case back was getting just destroyed by like the bracelet like hitting it it's really interesting i hope so it's almost like home. oh sorry no it's almost like the perfect design is you'd have to like coat every a part of the watch in a certain like hardness coating but then coat like the case back it has to be like a higher hardness or something i don't even oh, know oh that's funny actually yeah that's that if someone did that that would be like super meta it's just like oh this is all xyz titanium but the case back in the clasp is you know uh xyz times two titanium so it won't even scratch itself it's just like where shit man <laughs> that's crazy There's i probably, don't even know if that would work i'm not a material scientist i'm not like a metallurgist yeah. i'm yeah. barely a watch collector at this point i have no but like my understanding of some things are hard some things are harder than other hards makes sense to me so yes you know there's got to be someone at home right now, like kicking their car stereo, saying, "Just put pillows in the watches when you're not wearing them, you animals!" Or like those little, <laughs> those little things in the watch boxes or whatever, you know? Oh <laughs> yeah, I don't think you're supposed to like. I don't know when you know. I think everyone does this though. Like when you set the bracelet down or the watch down into put it its on bracelet. your exactly. Put it on your That's bedside table, and it'll it'll touch itself. Like it'll collapse on itself. You know what I mean? Yeah, but I'm I'm not I I'm pretty neurotic about watches, but I set them onto their own bracelets all the time. I'm not yeah. gonna be like. <laughs> oh, and then my last complaint is that this thing is nice. What is the um, lug width on your uh, 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 bracelet there? Uh, it's an in it's an irregular one. It's either nineteen or twenty one. Yeah, mine's a nineteen. Yeah, and I'm like, why? I guarantee, <laughs> I want to like Photoshop it, but I want to do it like perfectly, so I actually. 
like I want to do a picture of it, like what it would look like with a 20 millimeter lug width, but I guarantee it doesn't look different. Like you can't, you can't fit a half millimeter on either side. I don't know what it is, but I think every JDM, JDM watch I've gotten from Seiko's and Grand Seiko, from, well, yes, this Grand Seiko, but more, honestly, more kind of like, um, more experience I have with is the orange stars are all, they're either 19 or 21. Like oh, okay. Every, every Orient Star. So I don't know if it's a JDM thing or what, but every Orient Star I've had has been an a fucking quote unquote irregular lug width. At least what we're used to, you know, over here. That in the makes States. me think it's just a standard standardization difference. Then that's that's my best guess. I don't know if I don't know if your model is JDM or if they just if that's just what Grand Seiko does for all Grand Seiko models. But that I that really weirded me out on my original. Um, Orient Star GMT that that you know the one with the lines the WZ0071DJ yeah like that really threw me off because I couldn't find this is what also this is also when I was like obsessed with straps and shit like that like I couldn't find straps because it was like twenty one millimeters I think oh yeah forget about it unless you know you're gonna get like you got to get custom or like there's a very few number of I know um, Erica's original will do like any size for you and. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like you, but that's basically custom at that point. Yeah. You're like, yeah. So your, but your complaint is totally valid. It's kind of annoying. Oh, it's super if, annoying if you're not ready for it. You know, so. That's I crazy. guess it maybe it is just like a standardization. It's like a metric system and whatever the heck. No, oh, maybe. Is. <laughs> Whatever we no, call it, standard. Standard <laughs> imperial. I don't know. I've, I've, <laughs> No, idea. okay. This is more pressing, Kaz. We need to get all the world leaders together and we need to agree on even or odd look. <laughs> Listen, dicks. This is this is huge. All right. <laughs> Figure this out. If you could standardize it, what would you do? Would you do like 18, 20, 22? I think so. Yeah. But now I don't now I'm doubting myself. No, I don't know. But what's funny is I've never seen 17. I've seen 19 and 21, but I've never seen 17. 17 would be weird. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's usually yeah. I've never seen seventeen either. I don't think so. I've seen sixteen. I've yeah, seen sixteen seen and fourteen 16. on like tiny, like thirty-two, thirty-three, thirty-four millimeter, like quote unquote ladies' watches or whatever the fuck. But like in terms of like the Japanese, not Japanese, but just the non-standardizing that we're used to with nineteen and twenty-one. I've never seen twenty-three. I've never seen twenty-five. And on the inverse, I've never seen seventeen. So if someone out there knows better than I do, which is probably every single one of you listening, let us know what's up. With that sizing send us your hate mail send us your fucking hate mail tbws.contact at gmail.com that email again is tbws.contact at gmail.com so yeah good stuff man i'm so yeah. happy you got that watch yeah i'm feeling really good about it i because i told you the other time i think last time we talked to you i said a lot of my brain cycles were like thinking about grand seiko mm-hmm. <laughs> and now it's just like that part of my brain has just been quiet since i got this do you oh. still do you still find I was gonna ask, do you still find yourself watch listing? No. Yes. Very cool. Like I feel like now that I've gotten and obviously this is like a low level luxury watch, so it's depending on where you're experiencing the hobby, but now I feel like I have permission just to like I just want to flip shitters for the rest of my life now. Like <laughs> <laughs> I have my Grand Seiko and I have a couple other watches that are like obviously meaningful to me that I won't get rid of, but now I feel like I have full permission to just because I really like just getting something and then <laughs> enjoying it for like three weeks and then 
selling yeah, something I, else. I didn't look at another watch for so fucking long when I got my Grand Seiko. It's literally only recently. Did, did you listen to the show last week with Michael and I? Yes. I was talking about that Cartier Santos. That's the like the first watch in a long time. I was sort of looking at the the, the, the Tudor Black Bay um, 36 for a while, but then like when I really thought about it, I didn't need it. Like the collection didn't need it. I don't know what was attracting me to that watch, but I, I, I took a, a, a long, hard, proper look and I'm like, I don't need it. But this Cartier Santos is probably the first watch in a while that really kind of like, you know, made me tinkle downstairs a little bit. Like ever <laughs> since ever since getting, getting this Grand Seiko. And it's only because, we were talking about milestone watches, it's only because, you know, we're building... Like, I'm building a home. It's my forever home. And I'm like, okay, what's my quote-unquote exit watch? Which is something that you and I have talked about. Michael and I have talked about that. I want to talk about that more on future episodes. But I'm like, what would it be? And, of course, it has to be the most South Florida, like, brown, like, Desi, Indian, Pakistani family doctor watch I could possibly think I'm not a doctor, but my parents are. I could possibly think of the fucking Cartier Santos yeah, you said you saw those all the time. You didn't know what they were at the time. I didn't know. Yeah. I, I didn't know what they were. And then, like, when I started getting into watches, my parents still throw, hollow, like, Halloween parties and all kinds of crazy parties and, like, like, hollow, like, like, like religious holiday parties and crap like that. And, like, and, and then now that I started going to those after being a watch person, I started paying attention to kind of watch these motherfucking doctors have and shit. And I'm like, God, God damn, dude. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's just nuts. And then I realized a lot of the older doctors like the older like the, like the folks who are my dad's age a lot of rolex two tones like what my dad has and a fair amount of cartier santos and i'm like oh shit okay that's cool didn't realize the, San the santos is one of those watches where like when i first got into watches i don't think i would ever want one but like right i think yeah this is like a timelessness to it and i think eventually you start to get attracted to that especially like, like if you've been into the hobby for a while you've seen like fads come and go there's like timelessness always wins i think well the thing is that watch in particular to the south florida and just kind of miami area it's part of a look i would never wear that watch with a suit that's okay. not my nice watch that is my shorts sneakers button down eating a drippy cheeseburger even though i'm gluten-free now watch you know what i mean like there's no that makes sense there's i can't quite put my finger on it but there's like it's part of a look you look weird if you dress nice with that watch <laughs> I love, actually, do love that. That's like a thing where there's local, I don't know how else to describe, it, but like just metas or styles, like where yeah. in certain areas, this is like what this look is really popular and this watch is really popular, like in combination with this outfit or whatever. It's, it's pretty still, fa it's it's, fascinating. It's, it's, yeah, I mean, well, it's also an expression of wealth enthusiasm. You know, Miami's not beset with watch lovers, <laughs> Miami is rife and beset with wealth lovers which is fine you know so it's just i don't uh, know yeah i guess i didn't consider that aspect you, of it yeah you, you miami is it? a very flashy place yeah. so yeah fuck that. i'm never going back there the reason my wife and i moved here to the west coast of florida is because we wanted to try to find a place to raise our kids like i don't okay. have kids but we're like we're we're working on it obviously and it's just like i don't want to raise children where i grew up in Miami, Florida. I don't want to raise kids in New York, where she and I met. I didn't want to raise kids in Orlando, where we were living at the time, and then we were visiting here, and I'm like, fuck yeah. This what, is West, what is West Florida like? like so the, the West Coast of Florida, it's um, it's kind of what people picture when they picture retiring to Florida. 
Okay. Super laid back. Um, lots of retirees. People try to give it that whole like Caribbean flowery shirt sort of vibe. You know what I mean? The beaches in particular here are um, what are really nice. Uh, the beaches are much, the sand is much whiter. The actual sand uh, bars themselves are larger, and the ocean is of gorgeous emerald. Like it's just oh, a gorgeous cool. color, which you don't necessarily get. Um, just because of how we are here in the West Coast of the Gulf of Mexico, you don't, you, you don't always get that on the East Coast of, um, of Florida. The other thing is the East Coast of Florida, the majority of it has been developed for a long time. So everything is just kind of older, you know? Okay. So you, just, you see a lot of um, newer homes here and everything um, on the West Coast. So it's, um, it's just, I don't know, it's like weirdly more laid back. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say it sounds like the vibe is a lot different, which is yeah. important if you want to like raise your kids. I think Miami fucking sucks. Sorry, yeah, everyone, sorry if anyone lives in Miami, but it fucking sucks, man. Yeah, obviously you can't always control where you live, like, but if you can, and you're you, you, it's something you could consider. Like, obviously, like depending if you, I have a feeling if you grew up in Miami versus if you grew up in uh, the way you're describing West Florida, it's gonna have a profound effect on your personality just because, yeah. Like, yeah. Plus, I don't so, want my kids to grow up in Miami. That means they'll tell everyone I'm from Miami when they ask, them, "Well, where are you from?" And I'm like, "That would just suck to me." I feel like so. I'm so ready for my for my Miami citizen hate mail. Yeah, people Coming. are gonna be mad at you. Come on, Cass. Miami's awesome. No, it's not. What's awesome? The traffic, the prices, the people, the attitudes. What's awesome? <laughs> Shots fired. Shots fired. <laughs> Telling you, man. Oh. Jason, this is so cool. Well, here, man, you don't you don't want to hear about my crippled emotions in regards to where I grew up. Um, <laughs> do you want to talk about? Do you want to do hot takes with me on on some of the reviews you're lo- I'm looking at on your on your on your YouTube page? Yeah, we can talk about like what I've reviewed recently. What is this Waterbury Dive Automatic from Timex? Um, it's okay. So, like, okay, I'll give you like a broad take on Timex. Do it. I think they have a watch nerd on staff. And I they think they've, to, right? they've had one for like four years now, and they're it's a high level watch nerd. I don't know who it is. I wish it was me. <laughs> I wish it was you too. <laughs> like I want to think, I want to think someone went to Timex and was like, "Hey, I can make you guys a lot of money." <laughs> like, and and I hope they were like savvy enough to be like, "I want to." I you don't even have to pay me, but I want a percentage of like Sales all the yeah shit. all the ideas I give you. I want to. I want like a percentage of the sales because like when they did what what and what really put this together for me was like they first did that Q time X and I don't think mm-hmm. they even knew it was going to be that much of a hit. Yeah. But now that they just released the Q time X with like the actual G, it's the actual GMT Q time. I was watching your video. How crazy is that? And is like, it, how, is it the one you reviewed, right? Yeah. And like how yeah. that makes me think they have like. If they didn't, when they first released the Q Timex, it makes me definitely think now, like, they have this mapped out for, like, the next 10 years. Like, they are going to milk it. (laughs) And they're milking, like, the perfect speed where, like, they did the Q Timex. Then they did, like, the, they did the mechanical version. I forgot what it's called, like, the T80 or whatever. But it's just, like, they're doing this, like, slow roadmap where, like, they introduce something. It's really popular. And then they, like, slowly introduce, like, colorways of it. Yeah. And then they're going to do the next iteration. And now, like, it's taken, like, I guess... I think about four years now, and now we actually have a Q Timex with like a GMT hand, and then they're gonna make like 
over the next year, they're going to make like 20 color variants of that. Like, it just seems like so methodical and they're so smart in what they're doing. And now they're just kind of doing the same thing like that Waterbury dive. Mm -hmm. It's just like another one of their, they're kind of like cashing on on this like Waterbury thing, which is the name of Timex before it was Timex. Right. And they're just drawing up all these. And they're really, really divisive because they're, and I'm 100% convinced now that they're overpriced. <laughs> like, I know I said take value and throw it out the window. I even said at the end of that review, like, I don't think you should buy this because if if specs are important to you, but that's what I've started to realize. Like, I don't mm. think, I don't care about that anymore. Like, I actually changed the end of my video from, I used to say, like, if this watch is worth the money, but I've, like, abandoned that concept. Now I just try to show, like, three or four comparable watches. Like, these oh, cost, I like that, yeah. Yeah, like, these cost about the same price. So, like, if you are concerned about, like, oh, I really want Sapphire Crystal, then you could just get a Kamasu. Like, it's the same <laughs> price as this watch, and it's, like, spec-wise, technically, it's way better. But, yeah. like, I this watch is fun, and I don't know why. I'm stupid, I guess, but I like it. Like, <laughs> I don't know. It's just, like, weird. And for some reason, it's cool. Like, for me... The fact that Timex is still making is now like really into mechanical watches again, and I know like they use a lot of Chinese movements and they use Miotas. Like, and I know there's some um, like controversy there. Like, some people don't like the uh, the Seagull movements they use, but but it's just something about it. Like, it's such an old company, and the fact that they're making mechanicals again, there's something so cool about that to me. Like more yeah. so than yeah. So I don't know that for whatever reason that appeals to me. But they're basically just gonna continuously like dig up the past like this and release these mechanical watches and they're doing it in a way like where i do think they have like a learning algorithm or something that's like setting the prices for them because <laughs> like i don't oh, think... um, yeah i mean there's definitely certain like practices and stuff i mean it's also the reality of when you price something out and you figure out how much it costs every time you do a new reissue a new version you always try to price it a little bit higher until at a certain point people's willingness to purchase plateaus. So as long okay. as people keep buying it, it's going to keep going up. Does that make sense? That's yeah. probably, so that's probably what's happening. It's just, they're like, where is the line? Yeah, and you they're know? so aggressive. Like, because <laughs> like I've said, like this, like this Waterbury, it's like two, it's like two, 299 MSRP on the bracelet, which mm. like, I don't know what the MSRP is on Kamasu is, but you can get a Kamasu for like 200 bucks. And like, yeah spec wise it's way better but these these watches sell really well like oftentimes and i think they they're really careful about how much they produce but it does seem like most of these like mechanicals they're making they sell out so they're being really aggressive like where they price them but i think they're producing them in quantities that they know they can sell so anyways mm. i don't know i'm kind of like bedazzled by timex's execution of this like where they and it's funny because too like i i i'm sure this makes such a small percentage of their sales because like Probably Timex, like they're selling millions of easy readers, right, or whatever. Yeah, like, you don't make money on watch nerds, like no. But I love know? that they're like <laughs> catering to it. It's like this, like I just imagine it's this like little side division with some nerd who's like giving them advice about what to make next, and like it's not obviously not the full uh, spectrum of their business, but they're just like kind of cashing in on like they're basically doing fan service to like the. Well, watch you know nerds. what's interesting? Maybe that helps give authenticity to the brand, and that sells more weekenders because when someone's looking, because we we're talking about before, a value watch or a watch that will get like a watch nerd's approval. If they know people are buying up all these Timexes because Timex has this history, they're releasing these new models, which are reissues of blah blah blah. That might make me think really hard about a forty dollar weekender purchase. Like, oh shit, Timex has street cred. So maybe maybe it is 
I, I don't know for certain, but just speculating, maybe it is helping everything. Yeah, well, no, that makes sense, too. And I mean, if you, I don't know, like, I assume only weird watch nerds, like, look for watch review videos, <laughs> like, on YouTube. But maybe normal people that just want one watch do, too. They do. No, pe- like, I mean, people, so every consumer, every consumer who shops online has that fear of being duped doesn't matter what you're buying if you're buying a fucking dishwasher or a watch or like a 24 pack of mason jars from walmart you don't that's a very specific example i don't know where it came from you don't want to be duped so you want to see reviews just to make sure you know what i'm saying like you're not about to buy something that's a piece of crap and so i think i think it's we're also very research driven as online consumers so i think i think more people look at watch reviews than you know might be readily apparent now whether they're long-time watch content um, like you know consumers is probably not I mean once they buy their watch they get it and they're happy until something's wrong with it or until they get it and they realize oh I don't like the strap so then they start googling Timex weekend or how to change strap or something like that you know what I mean but right I think it just depends it, well the thing is non-watch people are totally looking up Timex reviews are, you know what I mean? Non-watch yeah. people are fucking not looking up like, this is the first example I could think of, so sorry, Traska reviews. <laughs> yeah, no you one know? knows. So, sorry, <laughs> sorry, Traska. Sorry, dude. You know we love you, but like, it's, I'm looking at Jason's page and he has a review of yours, so I'm just looking at it right there. But like, so I guess it just depends on the on the market, so. Yeah, you know? micro brands are such a, such a niche of a niche thing. Mm-hmm. Like, no one, even people that are in watches might not even know what Traska is. So, yeah. But Timex, that's a name brand. It's like a, it's a something that I think most people, like Casio, Timex, these are just, it's like yeah. Coke. It's like Coke and Pepsi at that point. I think In the know. watch world, yeah. And the thing is, I think Timex probably has no issue using, like, seagull movements. And just to clarify, I have no issue with them using seagull movements. I think they don't see an issue because it's fucking Timex. They didn't even approve to you people. Yeah, I don't. You know so what I mean? <laughs> it's funny that you bring that up. This is an argument that happens in the Slack a lot. I don't know if you've ever noticed, but and I'm of the opinion I have no problem with seagull movements either. I mm-hmm. almost don't care about accuracy anymore. <laughs> like, yeah, no, I don't care. I use my phone to tell the time, dude. Like, I used to think I cared, but because uh, I'm also one of those people that like when I set the watch, I pull open like my phone and use atomic time and I hack yeah. it like right at the one minute and then I push it in. But the thing is, I wear a watch for like one day and then I switch. So I really don't really <laughs> care about accuracy. But there's a lot of people that like just refuse to they don't want to watch unless it has like an ETA or like like I don't know. There's a lot of hate even for like Seiko movements because they're they, not super accurate. They yeah. tie their value as a human to the specifications of a watch. <laughs> you know what? I'm like, I'm not even fucking with you. How can I walk around with a watch with the Chinese movement? I want something with a really robust, reliable European blah blah. blah. It's like, dude, fuck you with some watch. It's a watch, dude. It's a fashion accessory. Like, we're not driving horse and buggies. We don't need fucking actual timepieces anymore, dude. Like, I'm sorry, unless you actually work in some sort of field where you do need a watch, but that's not the majority of us. Like, if you're a no, actually, I was going to say, if you're a nurse and you're taking someone's fucking pulse, you bust out an app on your phone. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yes. you don't need watches. Like, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's, so I think if more folks, 
if more folks were just open to being quote unquote vulnerable and maybe not focusing so much on specs, they would allow themselves to be a lot happier, you know? A hundred percent. I totally agree. And so, yeah. yeah. So I guess the other revelation I've been having, uh, this is another kind of hot take. I probably shouldn't put this out there. They're going to, I'm like just starting to get to the point where people will send me things to review and now I'm going to like sour that, but I'm almost like the more I don't care about value I think part of like micro brands' strength is that like you can get much better specifications for less than you'd pay in like a main brand like Seiko. Yeah. But as I like, I'm kind of like, eh, I don't even know if I care about that as much. Like I'm <laughs> starting to, I don't know, like I can't, micro brands are not sticking like in my collection. Because mm. um, I, I was uh, fascinated with them when I first got into watches. Because one, like the designs are really fun. I think microbrands, a couple strengths of microbrands are they can give you better value um, because, yeah. yeah, they don't have advertising and all that stuff. And I really like that they push the envelope. So like they'll do they'll do dangerous designs. Like um, uh, so, I actually really appreciate that aspect, but I don't really care about. I guess I don't really care about the value aspect anymore. But like I did the yeah. perfect example is the I did the. I forgot what it stands for, but it's MMI. That's the watch brand. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now on your page. And they have, like, they did the movement that I've only really seen the Oris do, where, like, the date, the day of the month, so the date, what is that, the date? I don't <laughs> it's know, like, I, always, I always mix it up. <laughs> yeah, it's like a, it's a ring, and then there's, like, a little orange indicator, and it just, like, goes oh, around yeah, in a circle. Yeah, yeah, Like, that's what microbrand should be doing. Like, do stuff that's, like, different. I love that. Because, like, why not, right? Like, right. You can make what I don't like is like um, when you just make something and you're trying to compete against like a timeless design, kind of like we've always talked about this, but like don't yeah. start a micro brand and do a Rolex homage. Like we don't need that. What we need is like fun things. Well, that's the problem. <laughs> when you start to experience, and this is what happened to Michael and I, Michael and I are not really on the micro brand train that much anymore. When you start to see all the different micro brands over the course of years and you see all the designs and you see everything and you learn the fact that there's they're all getting their stuff made from probably the same four or five factories, honestly, you start to recognize not catalog components, but similarities. And so, but that happens because there's like really only so much that can be riffed off of or uh, altered with a micro brand watch to keep it in a price point that watch nerds will buy because uh, I guess this is kind of like a controversial topic as well, but it's really tough to be a micro brand, put your heart and soul into something, have one of these um, um, four or five manufacturers in the, in the world make your watch for you. You can't just do that, show up and then charge 7,000 bucks for it because that's how much it costs you to make. You know what I mean? Right. Like you have to keep your micro brand um, price point to a point that makes sense for someone to quote unquote take a chance because it's a micro brand. It's not a it's not a, a fucking I don't know an Omega or a brand I even recognize like a Timex or something like that. So because of that, there is only so much they can do. So you do get just a kind of bunch of just random homage riffs. Even the really good micro brands are kind of homages of things you maybe wouldn't realize initially. But then there's the other spectrum and kind of what you're talking about now of micro brands who come out the gate and do something totally random and different, which doesn't always land. It's so risky. Like I you know understand like the I'm super risk adverse, so I would never start a micro brand, but I right. would be 
I'd be so scared to try something different because you just it's it's probably not going to resonate with most people. Exactly. And yeah. You have to be so careful with like just how risky you are. So but you don't start to recognize that it just kind of all feels like different versions of the same movie, the same action movie. You don't realize that until you've seen like 20 action movies and you're like, OK, well, these all just kind of felt like the same movie you know what i mean yeah 100 remember when jackie chan was putting out movies in the 90s yeah all the same movie yeah they're all the same template <laughs> and i or mean that the, happens yeah, yeah that, i mean that happens with anything like if i actually do really like movies so like oh, and, and, and the older you get and the more movies you watch like once you started seeing hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of movies like then the the template starts to become kind of clear. Yeah, the template becomes so clear, like the novelty fades. And it's just like, mm -hmm. it's actually so sad, Kaz. It's like one of the things I hate the most about getting old mm. is that when I was like 16 and I saw a trailer for a movie and, you know, I'd seen like maybe like 12 movies in my whole life or something like that. <laughs> I get so excited. Yeah. And now, like almost no movie is exciting. You, to you me. struggle yeah. to find the joy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I remember when I was a kid, I, yeah, you you would you would see a trailer for a movie or you would be in a movie and you see a trailer for another movie and this is also before like the internet would spoil when a movie was in production and you would learn about a movie coming out in a trailer in a theater and like you would, I would get excited. I I would totally but, but like now it's just like I don't know. It's 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 probably a combination of the internet ruining everything and a combination of just like you start to recognize some some patterns, some tropes, even when you just learn who like a director or a producer of the film is going to be like that immediately tells you probably what's going to happen or at least give you an idea, you know what yes, I mean, of how totally. we're going to get from A, B to C, because that's also just what people can come to expect from certain producers, directors and actors, which is probably why some folks end up getting really into like, like indie films and like less Hollywood films and things like that. But then it's also even more a struggle to find what you like there because you're gonna see a lot of crap probably yeah yeah indie films and foreign films are the micro brand <laughs> they're the micro brands <laughs> of the film industry right what's it's, great actually the thing that's really cool about foreign films we're so off topic that's fine i don't care this is two broke watch knobs you're like, you're, you're, you're like come and talk about watches with me insane <laughs> so foreign films and i didn't know this until like i started watching i haven't watched that many i'm not like some foreign film connoisseur but mm. they use different templates like so mm. when you first start watching, like I've watched a lot of Korean films, like nice. you, th you think, you know, what's going to happen because like you've built up this like, um, spreadsheet in your brain of like, these are all the things that happen in movies. And mm -hmm. then, but they're like, it's a totally different culture and they have totally different tropes. So then like something happens, it's totally unexpected and it's like so refreshing. And I'm sure if you watched as many Korean films as you did of American films, you you anticipate what was going to happen. But if 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 you don't have a lot of experience in the genre or the culture that you're watching the movie in, I feel like the tropes are different, and then all, some of that novelty comes like rushing back. Do you find that a lot of films, at least here that we're used to, tend to favor resolutions that are pleasing or resolutions that are foreseeable versus something that would kind of shock or jar the audience you know what i'm saying so like sometimes people like a predictable ending people like a movie to be finished and wrapped up in a nice bow 
but that may not necessarily be the most intellectually or narratively stimulating thing you could experience. Do you find that maybe in some foreign films there's less of that? Or is, am, I, am I just kind of thinking about it differently? Ooh, I don't have enough experience to speak to that. You are 100% right about just like American films. Like they definitely want a movie to be predictable because yeah. a lot of people don't watch a lot of movies. So a lot of people don't want to be, I think uh, for, I, I'm just speculating because I like movies so much. I can't imagine what this is like, but I think <laughs> for some people, they just want to like, they see like four movies a year or whatever. They just want to go enjoy themselves. So they don't want to like, mm. they want to see the hero kick butt and like do his thing and like and and then at the end of the movie they're gonna be like wow that was so cool and i had such a good time um that's a like, really good point actually and that's safe like that's what yeah. the, that's what the producers want to make but then like if you watch a lot of movies and you get into it as a hobby you get really tired of that so then you want to watch a movie where like the ending doesn't like is like very dissatisfying to you like like or like the hero doesn't win or like um just like it's uh you have to think about it for a long time and like to try to figure out like what happened like i don't know so but that obviously they're not gonna want to invest a lot of money in that <laughs> in this. my best film experiences are the ones that stick with me a hundred percent you know what i mean but that's that's also to say the ones where you know they they fall in love and they they get their love interest or they go and get the bad person or like you know the good guys in the army blah 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 win at the end yeah they're entertaining to watch almost as a form of like really base escapism but they don't stay with me you know they're instantly forgettable yeah but but i think to your point and i probably should maybe qualify what i'm saying there's nothing wrong with that if you only see four films a year and you just do it because you go and if I want to go out and have a cheeseburger, which I can't do because I'm allergic to fucking gluten now. Sorry, I really, I really wanted a cheeseburger for a long time. I think this is the second cheeseburger thing I've, I've mentioned in this in this show. If I want to go out and get a cheeseburger, there's nothing wrong with me just going out and getting a regular ass cheeseburger. Like oh. I shouldn't, you know what I'm saying? I shouldn't have to go and try to find like 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 avocado, apple with smoked bacon, egg on top, you know, um, fucking like caramelized onions on like a brioche bun burger. Like a burger shouldn't have to change my life to be a good burger. Although that burger I just described sounds really fucking good. Oh, yeah. It apply I mean, gatekeeping in all of its forms are horrible. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's a ton of gatekeeping in the watch community, but it's a, it's an everything. Like, people are going to look down on you if you, like, you know, like you like a basic movie where the good guys win. Like, you want to watch a Marvel movie, people will be like, oh, that's not, like, real cinema or art or whatever. <laughs> or you want to eat, like, a in and out burger, they're going to be like, oh, it's so common, you know. But, yeah, fucking generally casual. people... Yeah. <laughs> Generally, people that gatekeep, I find, and this is not always true. Like, I do think that's insecurity, though. Like, oh, um, yeah. so yeah, beware it, the gatekeeper. <laughs> it's 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 insecurity, and a lot of times people can only justify feeling good about themselves if they feel better than someone else. And I feel better than someone else if I know I know where to get a good fucking cheeseburger. That's right, everyone. We're still talking about cheeseburgers. They're just fucking <laughs> casuals eating in and out and shit like that. They get at the drive-through. You know what I mean? But like, that's. I don't know how prevalent this is, like outside the United States, but here in the United States, that is fucking normal. You feel good about yourself because you're able to basically feel better than someone else because you're in on something they're not, or you know something that they don't. Um, so it's just, it, it is, I think, to me, the, the the kind of core thrust of gatekeeping. It just makes little people feel big. Um, mm. Honestly, I'm also very petty, so I probably just speaking from experience at this point. <laughs> What was the last movie that moved you or that really stuck with you? Ooh, 
that's a tricky question. Hold on, I'll it up really quick. I don't remember what it was called. So I'll tell you a couple of them. One is um, Primer. Now this I didn't see recently, but this is a movie that was made for I think $12,000. Wow. And it's yeah. So what what's really impressive to me sometimes is like when the concept for the film is so good, you don't actually need like a budget to make. Right. That's right. Because <laughs> like obviously like Marvel movies and there's nothing wrong with this. Like I do love seeing like the most cutting edge special effects. Um, but a lot of times that can, you know, that can carry a movie a lot because like it's just so visually amazing yeah and there's nothing really wrong with that but it's so much cooler when to me at least when you can pull off a movie that makes you think and keeps you really engaged when it's clear they have they had no money to be able to make it well i mean that's the difference between um narrative being your driver and then you thinking you're watching a good movie because they spent you know 200 million dollars making it and they hired like a thousand stunt crew people like you know what i mean like that's what i've noticed a lot of times that's kind of weird with films like you feel like you're supposed to like it just because of who's in it how much money they spend you know and everything like that but it does kind of detract from the reason we're here i'm here for excellent narrative and really good storytelling through film as a medium which is kind of hard to find i feel like at least for me um, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the IMDb for this. This is cool. Primer, 2004. Yeah, watch Primer, and then I found the title of the other one. It's very similar, and it's not a similar movie, but it's called Coherence. This is also an older movie. I think it's from 2014. But same thing. It's, like, really low budget. It actually has really famous actors. And, oh, the budget on this one was $50,000, and it all takes place in, like, one house. But it's oh. quite good. And then the other thing is not a spoiler, but I didn't find this out until after the movie. But if you know this going in, it's really cool. They didn't really give them a script where they wrote everything they were supposed to say. They oh. just gave them, like, broad concepts of, like, these are the things that need to happen throughout the movie, but you should just talk to each other. Like you're just at a house party and like whatever conversation that. occurs just occurs. So. Cause if cool. you have, if you have actors who are able to really kind of take something like that and know how to maybe feed or lead a conversation you have with someone else to get to a point where it needs to get to, you can have really nice organic. Just like conversations or just situational things that kind of crop up. So if it feels natural, the conversation it feels natural to the, the, the viewers at home. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly. so cool. So just kind of cool. Those are really out there choices. Um, but that's the kind of stuff like, I don't know. I don't know if they're good or bad, but they're interesting to me because they're like so far out of the edge of like, you know, what's normal for a movie. So yeah, strange things begin to happen when a group of friends gather for a dinner party on an evening when a comet is passing overhead. Cool. Sorry, I was reading a little thing, a little description. Oh, yeah. No, that's fine. We're okay. a movie. It's a movie podcast now. It's a movie, yeah, <laughs> we're, we're, we're pivoting, everyone. <laughs> Two broke-ass movie snobs. Coherence. You can't spell, dude. But yeah, I mean, this is all this. this The whole premise of this conversation is kind of... I'm just thinking broadly about, like, micro-brands versus, like, mainstay brains. How dare you try to bring this back on topic. <laughs> Isn't this is two people having a casual conversation where thousands of other people listen for some horrible reason. Like, that's oh, okay. just, that's how I see it. Well, no, here's, 
<laughs> we can stay off topic then. No, you're totally right. Let's let me see here. I want to ask you because you have two reviews, and I think I might have asked you this before because I have this kind of constant, not fascination. Like I, you know, how there's some things you feel like you're supposed to like. Okay. Yeah. That's what Zelos is, or Zelos, however the fuck you say it. About a month ago, you did this. Um, it's like an orange dial spearfish one. I think I've even seen it on the Slack, or at least it looks very familiar. Yeah, I sold it into the Slack already. Yep, okay, that's how I've seen it. I don't think I've directly spoken with you. Hot take on that. If I want to get into Zelos, what should I do? Or should I just not do it? Um, so Zelos is a very popular brand. Everything yes. they make instantly sells out. Yes. I don't think I'll ever be able to keep one for more than like a month. Interesting. Does it kind of lose its luster pretty quickly for you, emotionally? I don't know. They're doing like a really cool thing. And like, I think, I think I named this setting a new standard because I think the things you're going to start seeing from micro brands are quick release bracelets, which are amazing. If you don't have mm. experience with a quick release bracelet, every watch should have a quick release bracelet. <laughs> it's so nice to nice. be able to just pop it off and then like pop on a strap that has like integrated you know when they have the integrated spring bars mm-hmm. because you can just you can change uh you can change it in like literally like 20 to 30 seconds That's and so usually nice. like when you want to take a bracelet off especially if it has solid end lengths <sighs> and then and it's not even taking it off it's hard putting a bracelet back on that has solid end lengths can be really <laughs> difficult so it just kind of like takes all that stress out of the equation so they did that and then they have a quick adjust bracelet or clasp which i think is nice. going to be kind of standard i know um uh, notice just introduce theirs like mm. i think you're gonna see a lot of these bigger uh, micro brands like and the market's gonna start to demand like we need these things we need quick release bracelets we need uh quick adjust clasps and then the other thing that the zells did that i was really impressed by was they put the um that anti-scratch coating on oh that's right yeah in it besides the fact that it could scratch itself it definitely worked because i i wore that a lot and like i could not find a mark on it when i went to sell it like it just seemed brand new um so yeah they're doing everything right they're pushing the envelope the amount they're charging for it is really on par with like i think where you are getting that value even though that's a thing i kind of abandoned a little bit um but i don't know there's just they have a very unique style and i guess it just doesn't resonate me the only way i can describe it is it feels like a toy that's very interesting, actually. I mean, like, that's kind of... <clears throat> so every time I've seen, um, like, the Zello's table in person and everything like that, like, every time you see all the watches all at once, it has kind of like a candy shop or a toy shop vibe. I'm not saying that in, like, a derogatory way, but, like, just visually. And I think that's maybe why I'm attracted to some of it, because I like I like bright colors and shit like that, because I'm a fucking crow or whatever, apparently. But But you're saying in regards to its overall feeling... Yes, at a exactly. certain point, it starts to feel like a toy. Yeah, and not, that's not to say, I'm not saying that in a negative way. Like, the quality is super high quality, and obviously they're giving you all the specifications you would want, but, like, there's, like, the design aesthetic, I guess. Mm. Like, it doesn't resonate with me. So, like, I'm older, I guess. I'm 39, and mm-hmm. I don't really care about this, but, like, 20-year-old Jason would love this watch. <laughs> and I would rock it, like, 
I would keep this watch forever. If you if you could go back in time and give 20-year-old Jason this watch, I would be in heaven. But like <laughs> I don't know. I wear my watches to work and I work in a very formal business setting and like yeah. it's just I don't get to wear this that often if that makes sense. It's so loud and colorful and it just it doesn't stick for me. But they're very sense. cool watches and I think um they have their place. But if you don't like them, I'm giving you 100% permission to not like them, Kaz. Okay. Fantastic. <laughs> I mean, sometimes I need to be told, you know, it's all good. A concept just occurred to me is, is we were talking about this watch and kind of as I was thinking about this watch, and you can tell me if this is an apt comparison to make. Are micro brands kind of like the fast fashion pieces of the watch world? Do, do, do you know what I'm saying? Because what you're describing is something I feel like a lot of people can sometimes experience with micro brands. Purchase initial love and luster and then kind of just like, eh. Because that's, yeah. that's what happened with Michael and I. So, like, fast fashion in regards to that. So, like, the idea. So, not necessarily in regards to its, like, you know, toxic textile practices and shit like that. So, please don't tell me you're fucking hate mail. I just mean fast fashion in regards to buy it to wear it for a little bit. This is not something I'm going to wear for a long time. Yes. You know what I mean? So, I think part of what microbrands are doing is they're even if they're not like consciously aware of this is they're kind of like chasing what's popular. Do you remember mm -hmm. like two years ago or maybe it was three years ago now where like every micro brand came with that beads of rice bracelet. <laughs> yeah. Dude, this shit was hot shit back then. And I mean, yeah. And now thing. it's like pastel dials. Like every <laughs> micro brand is making a pastel dial. So I do think they're like chasing, they're constantly chasing what's popular Yeah. and that's not necessarily bad. And I know like fast fashion, I don't know if there's a quality statement there. Cause I think a lot of the micro brands are really high quality. Um, but oh, I do think point, yeah. they're chasing what is popular and because that will always change it, they might not be as cool like in five years where if you get, it's super boring, but if you get like, um, that's the reason like all these timeless designs, that's, they're timeless by definition of being timeless because they're mm -hmm. safe. So they're yeah. going to look cool. They're, they're going to look like hmm, sophisticated or whatever they're trying to do in 20 years. Like if you get a Seiko diver, they're not like, um, like I just got that Marine Master reduced. It's not taking any chances. It's a black bezel and a blue dial, but, and the design is you know, looks kind of like the one from 1964 whenever they first made it. Um, right. And it's still going to look good 60 years from now because it's just not, it's not pushing any envelopes. So yeah, I think that is one of the things that the micro brands are trying to do. Like, yeah, they're being risky and they're being out there, but like they're kind of getting trapped into chasing what's popular because they want to sell now and then they want to make something different. But I don't think there's anything wrong with that. It's just, but that is an, I think that is an apt observation you're making. I think um I think I try to ask most people this when they're more knowledgeable than I am, which is obviously you, you're much more than I am, and basically everyone that has in the show. Do you think most micro brands are trying to chase themselves out of having to chase trends? Is the dream of every micro brand to no longer be a micro brand? You know what I'm saying? That's a super good question. I have no idea. I would I imagine no it idea. varies from micro brand to micro brand. I would love to get, you should see, have you ever had the notice guys on? I mean, we've been tight with them before. Or I haven't chatted with them in a bit, but I don't think, I mean, if we have, I'm really sorry guys, but I don't think we've had them on the show before. They, I think that's one of the micro brands you would like want to ask that question to, because it's, I feel it's problematic. Like, oh, sorry. I don't know. I, 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 I didn't make a off. Oh, I'm sorry. What's problematic about it? It's you can't trust what they say. <laughs> no, I'm serious. Not, not, not the notice guys. You, 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 you guys are fine. Well, I mean, maybe not. I don't know. But the thing is, it, 
if I'm a micro brand and my bread and butter is contingent on watch nerds like 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 neck beard bristling mouth breathing watch nerds of which I'm a card carrying member of, if my business success is contingent on them continually buying my pieces and I tell them, hey, my goal is to be the next Rolex, I'll I'll have sold out. I'll be a sellout. Oh, I see. Yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe they can't openly admit that. So I don't know if I want to trust these motherfuckers. <laughs> Not the notice guys. I mean, just like <laughs> no, that makes sense. Just in general. So it's that's that's why like like the only person I've ever trusted when I asked that question to was Michael Happy from Gavox. Okay. That guy doesn't give a fuck. Yeah, right. and I think he's just making cool watches. Like, yeah, there know? are brands like that. Like I don't. He has no goals. He's just doing no, he's it just because doing cool shit. Yeah, he likes doing cool shit. So he doesn't want to be the next Rolex. But I think there are micro brands out there that they they do dream about like if you ask them where they want to be in like 10 years maybe they do want to be like like christopher ward mm. um we were talking about that in the slack the other day i have no idea what their sales numbers are but they're like not really technically i maybe they started as a micro brand but they're like a brand now they so, started as one they're not one anymore exactly and i think that might be the goal of some micro brands mm. like they just want to become like so big that they're brand like, or they want to be like the mvmt dudes and get bought out Yes, that's the dream, right? That's probably yeah, that's like that's like the West Coast like watch startup dream. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, I just want to get bought out. <laughs> you're like intellectual property at that point. You're like, yeah, uh, maybe that out. maybe that's the other dream. You know, so I don't know. It, it, it's 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 something I'm thinking about. Like as I'm just looking at your page and seeing all these micro brands. Um, yeah, so I think it varies from brand to brand, but yeah. I, I mean, I still like micro brands. I still think they're interesting, and like, I love the concept of a micro brand because it's like, yeah, it just wasn't popular. It wasn't possible like twenty years ago. Well, I think, well, maybe twenty years ago it was. Like, I think, um, yeah, we're old now, dude. Twenty, 20 years ago wasn't the eighties. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> I, I can't possible. Well, it wasn't possible in the eighties, but no. I think it is so <laughs> fascinating that you can just like make your own brand by coordinating with manufacturers and like yeah it's insane like how is that possible but you it just is. gotta show up to hong kong with a briefcase full of forty thousand dollars and you too could be a micro brand owner <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's just it's the concept to me is like very fascinating and i wonder if like you'll see it, it it translates really well to watches but i wonder like as technology advances if you'll see like micro brands in like other like I don't know, aspects of consumer goods or whatever. Like, I mean, I think yeah. you can to some extent, but not, I don't know. I, I guess it depends. I mean, it, it, it does represent a really, the idea of being a micro brand owner is always alluring because you're creatively free. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it represents incredible creative freedom. Like, oh fuck, I can actually make the watch that I want to make depending on how much you actually want to spend making it. You know what I'm saying? So I think I think that part of the microbrand kind of thing will never go away. So yeah. um, I do have one last okay. yeah, yeah, hot sure. take. And I'm so happy you did this because we were talking about it a couple episodes ago. You have to tell me how the Seiko SRP H31 was. A worthy successor to the SNK line, question mark. Oh, okay. This is two months ago. This is this This might not be like like super in your mind i haven't watched the video yet i just saw it on your thing i'm like oh fuck i have to watch this wait i can just ask jason how <laughs> um, he liked it i put a question mark at the end oh man you're putting me on the spot i remember if i know what i said but um it's i fine. think <laughs> <laughs> i think it is like so the thing i think people forget 
and um, it's especially relevant in this time of inflation, is that when the MSRP, when something comes out, is based on that price at the time it was released. So I know people get mad. Like the SARB is like such a good example, the SARB 033, which I think came out in like, I'm going to get this totally wrong, but like it, say it came out in like 2008. Okay. Like it's very difficult to compare an MSRP from 2008 to 2022. You right. know what I mean? So when these when these Seiko 5s, these new Seiko 5s come out and they have these higher MSRPs, it really rubs people the wrong way. But you have to remember, like, when did the SNK, like the one you have, when did that first get released onto the market? Oh God, I have no fucking idea. A long time ago, though. Yeah, so you're really comparing apples to oranges. So I don't. The other thing about these is these watches that get made in such quantities as the Seiko 5s get made. Like mm -hmm. I got this for like a hundred and I think I got this for like 140 bucks. Like you just have to wait and look for a deal. Oh wow. Um, isn't, the, isn't the MSRP like in the 200s or something? Yeah, I think it's like 295 or oh, something. Oh wow. It's okay. That, that makes like me that. feel a lot better because when I first saw it, I'm like, I'm not paying fucking near 300 bucks for this watch, but you oh, got yeah. it. Absolutely not. Do not yeah. pay that much. Like, <laughs> and I just don't think a lot of the even what's been interesting to see is even like, and I thought they like those more modern Seikos that were like they're like twelve hundred dollars. Um, I got the I got that Marine Master two hundred, the reduced mm -hmm. one, for seven hundred bucks, like used. Oh. And it's like it was it's basically brand new. There's like a oh. tiny little scratch on it. So I think like if you give it time with these watches that they're producing and like the in Seiko quantities, like it's a little bit difficult to look at the MSRP because if you wait, you're going to be able to get, it's going to go way down as these like mm -hmm. in inevitably flood the market. But yeah, this watch is cool. Like they, uh, I like that. It has the, and it has the NH36 or whatever it hacks now, which yeah. is a little bit nice. Um, and it, it has that feel of like, it, it, it did. It does feel like that. Just kind of like very simple. Like you could wear this every day, and not really worry about it, and it's super legible. You got the. It has the whole Seiko Five ethos, like where it mm -hmm. has the day and the date. Um, they did kind of the strap is kind of cool. It's like this, like le it's not leather. It's like canvas on one side, and the back side is like this bright. Yeah, orange. I was looking at a photo of it. Yeah, but yeah, it seems like that strap. It's like. It would take a while to break in, but like I think it would last a really long time. Like it was pretty tough. So um, fine for 140 bucks, not for 300 bucks. And that's probably what I said. Absolutely, do not pay SMRP. But if you get one close to 100 dollars, like yeah, it's it's fine. It's a yeah. cool. And I like I kind of like the new Seiko fives. I know some people don't like them, but mm. I don't know. They're gonna they couldn't just keep making the same thing forever, right? So they <laughs> of course they not. Gotta, yeah, and a change everyone change is not always fun so I, I, I and but you know you can still get the old ones and i think i said that in the video too is like the old they made so many of those like there's <laughs> they're going to be around for a while they'll eventually dry, time. yeah they're eventually going to dry up but if you want if you like the older style now just grab one now you can get mm -hmm. one right now it's funny as like an snk owner i think my initial knee-jerk reaction was to see this as an affront to me as an SNK <laughs> owner. So I'm like, if anyone else out there is felt the same way when they saw these new ones, let me know. But I'm 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 pleased that it's it's exactly what it needs to be. Just don't pay MSRP for it. Yeah. You, you know? Here man, let's do this. I wanna I'm, I don't wanna keep you up for too long here, just because I don't want to take up too much of your time, but I had one more question. Okay. 
Was there a watch? I might have literally asked you the same question uh, last time we spoke, so I hope I make this a pattern. What watch did you get in for review that you were expecting to hate and were totally surprised by? And, I, and I'm asking that because, like, I've had that experience. Or rather, I'll get stuff in for review and I expect to hate it. And maybe I will hate it or maybe I won't, but I had a bias going into it. Do you have that same experience? Do you have a bias going into it? And then have you ever been kind of surprised? I have a perfect example for you. Okay. And it's super on brand for TBWS. Okay. So there is someone in the Slack who's a lot of people in the Slack have been very generous to the channel. They let me borrow their watches to review. Um, one particular, one person in particular, I started calling him my Mr. X. Um, he's let me borrow basically his entire collection. Very but good. He let me borrow that CWC Meller 72. Wow. And I going into it i like know that cwcs are very popular yeah. but i just was like i don't get it like i this is like <laughs> like i don't feel i guess i don't maybe have the tie to like the military history but like i don't this is just this looks like a really expensive seiko 5 do you know what i mean That's like so it's funny i love it yeah like this is a simple watch like why does this cost so much like i don't understand and then the second I like took it out of the box and looked at it. I was like, oh, I get it. Like, this is so cool. I don't, it's a little bit hard to put into words why it's so cool, but just the, I don't know, there's like a beauty in the simplicity of them. And then, yeah, I was like, oh, okay, I love CWC. This makes total sense. That's so good. I just found the video. I'm going to watch it. <laughs> okay. That's awesome. Okay. Yeah. I can, I can, well, because my first predilection or my first instinct would be, oh, people are in love with it because of the story. It's the story. They bought into the marketing. It's like it's or they've like convinced themselves it's cool, blah, blah, blah. But it sounds like when you see it in the flesh, it makes sense. And that might kind of go back to what we were talking about, where you can actually feel the difference in a watch where someone worked hard on that watch versus when someone, you know, maybe didn't work as hard. And it sounds like they probably worked pretty hard with the CWC um, Miller 72. You know what I'm saying? yeah and it's like i don't know it's definitely one of those watches you just got to experience because i think in the pictures it just looks even in video a lot of watches don't translate um mm -hmm. and then yeah there's something about holding it and like it's the it's just like hand winding it i don't know there's something that's so, so super cool about that one in particular and I, I assume that must be true across like the whole cwc line because like half the slack is obsessed with these watches so oh, they're, yeah. they're popular for a reason i blame michael <laughs> yeah michael's a real trendsetter on those Right. Well, well, it's interesting because the CWC in particular, this actually, this is actually a really another good question. I don't think you and I have ever talked about, but the CWC is not really in your normal like taste of watches, right? You wouldn't gravitate oh. towards this normally. No, not at all. Follow up question: What type of watches do you gravitate towards? Like everyone, everyone has, everyone has like, like their thing or like something that they like as a as like a neurological kink or quirk. Like, what do you normally gravitate towards? Um, I like bling. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, I, I'm embracing it. Like I just so I that's probably the reason I like the Grand Seiko so much. Like the just the way the dial on indices like the shiny. Yeah, it's shiny. Like the way it catches nice. light. All the uh, all the the hands and they're like they look like diamonds sometimes. Like the way they catch the light. But like the rest of the watch is very toned down, right? So I'm not gonna rock like a, yeah, it's balanced. But for me, I just like. And I've now abandoned this. This is something like I've had a recent revelation on. But I used to have problems with like if a luxury watch just has like a printed dial. That used to like drive me crazy. <laughs> I'm like, it's so lazy. They can't even like put applied indices on this thing. Like, I'm I'm laughing because I totally understand. 
totally get what you're saying. Yeah, and now I'm like, I guess I'm a, I'm slowly a, a maturing as a watch enthusiast. I guess I'm like abandoning that. Like, yeah, some people don't want blingy ass like indices on their watch. Like, I, that doesn't make sense to me because I want them. But like, mm-hmm. that's what I've noticed is like the watches that I have kept. They all have like. Well, like I have that, I have a Orient Star. It's very similar. It's like, and I have the, um, this, the baby grand snowflake. They all have these like razor cut indices. They like catch a lot of light and they're not overly loud, but like they're loud in certain ways. And that's just what I resonate with. But yeah. So like, it makes sense to me now. Like, I guess a lot of people probably just don't want to watch like that. They want something with it. They wanted to have the printed dial. If they saw the really flashy indices on the dial, they'd be like, oh, that's, I don't like that. So Mm. I'm. I'm maturing in that way, but I used to think that like it's a ripoff if you pay <laughs> like four thousand dollars for a watch with a printed dial. Like, like if you pay four thousand bucks for a course watch, like that same sort of like prejudice. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's in that's it's totally was a prejudice in my mind that I'm like learning to abandon. So I think that's the reality of watch collecting, or rather, that's the trajectory that most folks. It's okay for your opinions to change as you collect watches and everything like that. Like, that's, like, a message to the whole world. I think we say that in the show all the time, but, like, like, no, really. It's okay for your opinions to change as a watch collector. Like, your authenticity as a watch collector is not proven by how stalwart and unchanging your viewpoints and opinions are. The only people who don't change their viewpoints and opinions are assholes. So don't don't be an asshole, you know? Yeah, it'd, it'd be unnatural if your opinions didn't change. <laughs> yeah, seriously. So cool, man. This has been so much fun. I feel like I always talk so much when you're on air and I berate you with questions, but I like it. It's fun. I like having No, you I'm I was super <laughs> excited to be on a second time. Hopefully this is a, I don't know. I feel like I'm boring, but hopefully this is a popular oh, episode. This is the best episode. <laughs> Sorry, Michael, if you're listening. This is the best episode. That was fun. It's just it's also just fun. Um Michael and I don't get to talk with like other really high quality watch content creators very often, honestly. Um so it's just it's just nice to have a conversation with someone that's kind of like also in quote unquote the biz. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that makes sense. So appreciate putting like minds together. Man, anything else you wanted to say or share with the folks before we um start to round this thing down? No. I'm just happy happy to be on and pleasure talking to you. Plug your channel, man. Plug your channel, damn it. All right, fine. <laughs> So I'm on YouTube. I'm just watches. Um, and then I'm also on Instagram. Unfortunately, I was not able to get just watches on Instagram. So on Instagram, I'm just watches one with the numeral one. But yeah, I'd be happy for you to subscribe to my channel. Um, I put a video every Friday. Uh, mostly, you know, I've, it's, it's a lot of micro brands, basically sub $1,000 is my target. Um, and yeah, they're just, I just try to make succinct videos with uh information dense they're all like six to eight minutes long jason jason's doing the real shit you know what i'm saying like like no legitimately like it's not like you 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 have more in my opinion as a watch content creator you have more ethics than a desire for subs you know what i mean like because it's tough it's just so tough being able to find authentic watch reviews from someone i feel like Oh, I'm glad I'm glad they come across that way. A hundred percent. I don't. This channel is for fun. I don't care. Like, <laughs> I don't. He really yeah. doesn't, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. 
So yeah, you're getting it's pretty. I'm you're getting very honest answers. Like actually, I was super excited. I think I did my. I might have been slightly an influencer. I'm not sure how much it was my video. It only has 340 views, so maybe not. But I did a review of nine four watches, and I was very critical about the fact that they didn't taper the uh, the 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 case didn't come into line with the bracelet like there was this gap oh, and they yeah. they're they're going to change the case so there i might have i might have played an ever so slightly small part in that but so, yeah i was like brutally honest about that part so, so. first it's nine four watches then it's timex that's going to be your escalation <laughs> to greatness to yeah, yeah, yeah dude that's how so, it yeah, works I will, I will tell like it is I, and i hope i say that way so. how's uh how's instagram been for you because michael and i are probably taking a step back from it <laughs> i'm bad at instagram i don't I do my one crappy picture a day. And then I think to be successful on Instagram, you have to be like a social person and talk to people on Instagram. And I'm not good at that. So that's why I like yeah. YouTube. I just don't, I just put the video up and then I try to there reply with comments. But Instagram is much more like that's real social media and I'm not social. It's like a job. Yeah. You know, screw that shit. Well, here, <laughs> let's do this. I, I mean, yeah, I, I, I have an actual job. This is, <laughs> I don't want two jobs, you know? Exactly. Um, this has been a ton of fun. Jason, so cool, man. Everyone, go and check out Just Watches on YouTube. Just Watches one on Instagram, even though, you know, neither neither, neither of us are really on Instagram. It's YouTube. Go to Just Watches on YouTube. Um, man, let's have you back on the show at some point. I like doing hot takes with you. Um, have you ever reviewed one of these Vincero Kairos watches? No. I can send this to you after I'm done with it. Okay. If you want to take a look at it, do you, do, like, like, have you heard of this brand? No, I actually haven't. Very fucking annoying. One of those like stupid. We cut out the middleman and pass the savings on to you brands and like, <laughs> and um, they put the stupid like Italian marble chip in the back, the see-through case. Oh, it's this one. It's that one. Yeah, I've been. We're, we're all we're all waiting for this review. When is it um, drop? It's. I, I'm working on it now. And I'm gonna get the pictures this week. Okay, I'm and very, then I'm gonna. Very I'm gonna excited. I'm going to crack open the back of this fucking watch to figure out if this is what I'm fairly certain is a sticker or if it actually is a piece of Italian marble. The watch on the back says Vini Vidi Vici, which makes me want to drown myself every time I read that <laughs> out loud. But I wanted to give this watch a shot. It gets a lot of reviews. I didn't get this from the brand. I fucking bought this with money um, because that's how you get to get an actual authentic experience. So, yeah, we can do that. We can let me get my review up. And then I can send this watch your way, and then you can check it out, and then yeah, we can sure. talk shit about it together. Okay, that sounds fun. Very much looking forward to doing that with you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Tell you, man. Let's do this. Let's um. Let's let all the kiddos go home. Um. Here, man. So just say like um. So I'll I'll say is that sad time, and I'll just do it. Hey, this sad time, and yeah, it's a sad time. Just when you're ready, just say like you know um. Thanks for listening. This is Jason, and then I'll just fucking I'll just run with it. Oh, okay. Sure. All right, thanks for listening. This is Jason. And this is Kaz. You have been listening to Two Book Watch Knobs. Later. <laughs>